Hi everyone, this is Carmen and Christina, and this is Historias Unknown, a podcast where we talk about Latin American history, sometimes involving horrible things like uh, racism, corruption, and genocide. But more than that, it's also about resistance, power, and community. And that is what today is about, Carmen, about community and resistance, power, and community. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Puerto Rico. <laughs> we love we love Puerto Rico. We One do. day we hope to go yeah. to Puerto Rico. We love the Puerto Ricans. What is, is that what the music I'm trying to remember how the hell she says it. And I don't remember. <laughs> the Puerto Ricans. <laughs> I think that's it. I, think that's I it. do yeah. think that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you ever heard about Celestina Cordero? No. Okay. Well, that's who I'm talking about today. Uh, it is still, this is the last, uh, wait, is next week still March? Yeah, I checked. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh okay so it is still international not international it's still women's history month yeah so yes that is why did we ever say we were doing an all women's <laughs> topics for women's um, history month you know i don't know but i'm sure that it was noticeable now <laughs> that we have only covered women this month yeah so this is going to be a noisy recording at least in the beginning um they are running amok, so mm-hmm. they, as in my children. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yes, I am going to be telling you, Carmen, about Celestina Cordero. But first, until we actually talk about her, I want to set the scene uh, where she was when she was alive in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. We have talked quite a bit about it, about Puerto Rico, I mean. But during this time period, you know, Puerto Rico in the late 1700s, mid to early 1800s, it was growing at a very large eight rate. Yes. I said eight. <laughs> at a very large rate, uh, especially for the size of the island. Uh, this is largely in part thanks to colonization, right? By this time period, the Spanish have success successfully, this is in quotations, mm. uh, taken over Puerto Rico, basically, and colonized, right? And so more Spanish are now arriving to the island by the boatloads, one could say. Mm. And also, you know, they... Yeah, the indigenous people in the island that are dying because of genocide, thanks to the Spanish. But then there's also Spanish, you know, now a lot of them on the island, more arriving every like year, month, you know, a lot of them are arriving. Then there's also the people, the African people that they uh, trafficked into Puerto Mm -hmm. Rico. So all that is contributing to the growth of the island. Um, Plus, you know, just, you know, normal things like. Yeah. So, yes, by 1812, there were 183,000 people living in puerto rico and then like around the 1850s 1860s it was now half a million people living in puerto rico and despite this increasing population the literacy rates for puerto rico for everyone there it was not growing only about six six percent of people on the island could read and write and this is intentional this is on purpose can you guess what part of the race demographic made up that six percent for the spanish yeah, white white people. Yeah, <laughs> white rich people. Yeah, that is correct. Um, not a not a brown reader in sight. Yeah, you guessed it right. Uh, and also, sorry, white men specifically, oh, not even right. the women. I didn't even think um, about that. Of course, the women that could read were usually the ones married to the rich mm. men. Makes sense. But it was still not a large amount of women uh, that could read. I was saying they probably were like weren't like encouraged or maybe not mm-hmm. even allowed to read. Yeah, I was discouraged. So really, uh, nuns, nuns and then rich mm. women were the people who could read. 
And still, it was the small amount. So um, it was rare for anyone else to be able to read, especially women and especially black women. And yeah, so just, you know, during this time, 80% of the population was illiterate. 80% of the population. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, 80%. So yeah, it was during this time period that one woman and her siblings sought to change this in Puerto Rico. And for her entire life, she fought for the education of everyone. She was vital to Puerto Rico's education system. Her name was Celestina Cordero Molina. All right, Celestina. Uh Yeah. So Celestina Cordero was born April 6, 1787. Her parents were free, formerly enslaved people, and they were both educated. And I could not find anywhere how they knew to read and write, Mm. but they did. Um, I can only imagine it has something to do with what they did as when they were enslaved, maybe. Oh, maybe. Maybe their enslaver taught them or someone where they were. where they were enslaved or I don't know how they learned. Like I could not find that information. There was not a lot of information on them. That makes sense how long ago it was. Yeah. So her parents were Rafael Cordero and Gregoria Molina. And uh, they could both read and write. Um, Rafael Cordero was an artisan and they instilled the importance of reading, writing, math, education in all three of the Cordero siblings. So Celestina had a younger, actually, I don't know who, ooh, I don't know who the youngest was. (laughs) I don't know their ages. My bad. A younger sibling. Well, she had a younger sister. I just don't know if their brother was, okay, I think they were both younger siblings. I think she was the oldest, I'm pretty sure. And they were, um, Sorry, hold on. I messed this up. I wrote their parents' name twice. <laughs> I wrote I wrote the names of the siblings as the parents. All right. So, yes, her parents were Lucas Cordero and Rafael. Um, oh, my God. Sorry. Her parents were <laughs> Lucas Cordero and Rita Molina. I can't say Rita in Spanish. It does not Rita. come naturally Oh, to it me. doesn't. Sounds Rita. weird. Rita. I, Rita. Mm. Hmm. I mean, like, obviously, it's a name in Spanish. But yeah, I can't. But it does it feel weird. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Coming yeah. out of the mouth. Yeah. The mouth yeah. feel of yeah. the name. Mm. Mm. Not the vibes that are off. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they both instill the importance, the importance of education on all three siblings. And um, they are the ones who taught them to read and write as well. And Lucas Cordero was also an artisan in their neighborhood. He was able to buy his freedom from his enslaver in in 1789 after the Spanish crown issued the Royal Decree of Graces. There was a lot of stuff in the decree, but basically the thing we need to know for this episode is that this part of this decree allowed an enslaved person to buy their freedom and payments uh, from their enslaver. They would then be known as a free man or free woman. And the enslaver was the person who set the price. There was no like, mm. so it was like arbitrary. Yeah. However, he must have had like a, if you can call it an enslaver, nice. But he must yeah. have had a quote, quote, unquote, mm-hmm. nice enslaver because he, uh, he, he was able to buy his freedom because some people set outrageous, some enslavers yeah. set outrageous prices so that it would be impossible. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to buy his freedom. So was um, because each person had to buy their own. Each adult enslaved person had to buy their own freedom. So I I have to assume that uh, Rita also bought her own freedom because 
he couldn't buy it for her. Mm. But they did have to pay for their children to be free when they were born. So just because they were free didn't mean their kids would be free. They had to pay for it. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Uh-huh. And I mean, the, the price, whole notion, but okay. <laughs> yeah, all of it. Yeah. Um, but the price would be cut for baptized children. Oh, my be God. Less, yeah. Of course, I mean, to, of course, they had to push religion onto this. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's a way to get people to convert, ugh, gross. So that is what they did. And Celestina was born in San Juan. Uh, Puerto Rico. The family later moved to San Germán, and this is where the younger siblings would be born, um, Rafael and Gregoria. But then they would all, they moved back to San Juan, and this is where then they grew up the rest of their childhood. And as soon as they were able to, the siblings began to teach other children to read and write and do math, like everything. Amazing. Yeah, and just so you get a sense of this, in 1820, Celestina opened her own school, right? And then um, Rafael did it in like 1817, I think. So she had been teaching for 20 years by the time she opened the school in 1820. So she was born in 1789. You're asking me to do math? I am going to look it up myself because <laughs> I can't do the math. Uh, so... That's why I wrote the moment they were able to teach kids to read and write, they were doing it. Mm -hmm. She had to be like 13 at most. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they were doing this together. So all three siblings were they were close in age, but the younger two were younger than that. Wow. So maybe like 13, 12 and 11 or something like that, teaching other kids. Yeah, because in 1820, they had their own school, but they had already been teaching for 20 years. Wow. And do you know how old she was at 1820? 33. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, most people, I mean, it was a different time, but, you know, like, think about yeah, your but 30s I'm now. 30 and I'm like. I know what I'm saying. It's like you're establishing yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like they say that, you know, the, your 30s are really like your 20s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a real thing that people say. And they're right. They're right. They're right. Yeah. As soon as they could, they were teaching other children to teaching them um students filled the cordero molina home in san juan and many um many of these kids were still enslaved themselves a lot of people in that neighborhood were still enslaved could enslaved people read like they were allowed to learn to read or it was like uh yeah it didn't seem like i mean they had a lot of students that were still enslaved so it didn't seem like it was i think it probably depended on on the who the enslaver was mm, honestly that makes sense yeah uh, if you hear a baby, it's my baby. He's <laughs> sitting right here. It's not a ghost baby. <laughs> yeah, and students failed uh, the home, their home. And the siblings also taught them about generosity, equality, and love. Uh, virtues that their parents taught them. I love it. After they had been teaching for about 20 years, in 1820, Celestina Cordero opened the first school for girls in Puerto Rico. Wow. In the entire island, the first school for girls. First school of its kind. And uh, Rafael, at that point, Rafael Cordero had already opened his school, but for boys. Mm. And I want to say it was 1817 when he did it. So either way, they're both like young. Yeah. Um, to be doing that. And so his school was in San Germán and he later moved to San Juan. And, <laughs> and his school moved with him. The schools were the first of their kind. Um, they were the first schools, uh, first to not be segregated because Amazing. although the schools 
were for the mixed race kids. So, you know, the mestizos Mm -hmm. and for the uh, black children, they did not say it's only for them. Mm. And the schools were so top notch, so top tier, so reputable. That's not how you say that. Reputable? Reputable? No, reputable sound right though. Mm. Had such good reputation. Well, like, y'all, we didn't have top tier education, so don't expect us to say things right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but th- they had such a good reputation that, like, even the rich white parents wanted to send their kids to these their schools. Wow. And they didn't, never said no. They, people were donating to them, like, to keep these schools going uh, because it was just that good of an education. And the Cordero siblings were doing this first for everyone, for all the kids. Um, But they were doing this more than 50 years before slavery was abolished in Puerto Rico, in in all of Latin America. Mm. And more than 35 years before schools would become federally funded. So So they were like bankrolling this? Yeah. Like community funded or what? Like, do you know? Uh, both. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, people that went to the school, especially the rich parents that uh, mm. sent their kids sense, were helping. But yeah, they basically kick-started, a kick-started public education in Puerto Rico. Wow. Yeah. Imagine um, that. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, Rafael Cordero, he would become known as the father of public education uh, and he also was canonized in 2013. Canonized? Like religious? Yeah, like he became oh. a saint. Wow. Because uh, I um, I mean, their parents were Catholic and they did instill Catholic values. And part of the, their school was also to teach Catholic values, mm-hmm. but also reading and math and you know, oh, okay. everything. I didn't know it was so, like a Catholic school <laughs> situation. Not like... Like not like how we think of them now. Yes, not how we think of them now, but like the actual things that Catholicism is supposed to stand for. <laughs> mm. Like I, I mean, don't they've know. never really stood for that, but I know what you're saying. That's how they uh, practiced it. Yeah. Okay. Which is rare. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they were. Uh, like I said, they taught about love and generosity, equality, and love. Oh, okay. Sadly, Celestina Cordero, who lived by the same values as her brother, all three of them did this together. She's not revered the same way? No, she's not. And she's largely, her contributions to the education in Puerto Rico is largely unknown, untalked about, not really mentioned in textbooks, Mm. forgotten. Yeah. Um, But like... Not only was she doing this with the schools, she was also advocating for the education of women. Um, So she, a black formerly enslaved, as in like her dad had to buy her freedom, Mm -hmm. um, woman was going and publicly speaking in places about education. And that's like unheard of at the time. Mm. First for a woman to be doing that. Yeah. Second, for a black woman to be doing that. So for her to not be recognized. Well, and like her brother was the same in doing the same kind of work she was doing. Comes from the same background. The only difference is that he's a man. (laughs) Yes, that is the only difference. 
Yeah, she lived by the same values as her brother. They, they all three of them worked tirelessly to educate kids, but her specifically, you know, educate girls and advocate for education. Um, she, it was all lost to history. Uh, it took several years of struggle for even the Spanish at her, you know, when she was alive, the Spanish to recognize her as a teacher um, because the, back then, the, I guess they had to be like, there was no college for you to go and get a degree. Um, so they were like, this person's so they, a teacher. The oh. Spanish crown would say that. Like, okay. Yes, so even though there was like no formal education or process to become a teacher, they were still gatekeeping that from her. <laughs> Basically, yes. Yeah, she fought for recognition, but more importantly, for the recognition of, for her school, for it to become a, an accredited actual school. And, you know, it was, it was uh, difficult for her to even obtain that because she was a black woman, because her brother's school had already been accredited. <laughs> But it was a school for boys, and he was a man. And even for him, it was hard because he's a he was a mm-hmm. you know a black man. But for her, it took even longer. And he, and he was like, he had to speak in her behalf. Like, yeah, you know, he was like, um, uh, what is the word? Advocate, advocate for the yeah. school too. Yeah, he had to speak up for the school too, and he he also helped them with the school. Um, whenever he had extra funding, you know, he gave it for their school too, the sisters, because they ran that school together. At some point, Celestina became sick and Gregoria took over the school, but then Gregoria passed away in 1851 and Celestina in 1862. And then Rafael Cordero ensured that the girls' school continued to run successfully after they passed. Yeah. He was able to find two former students to take over the school. Amazing. Yeah, and all three siblings lived their lives in commitment to justice, equality, and education for all children. I mean... Even though they had been oppressed, like, yeah. they didn't, like... I would have been, like, no white children. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been, like... It's, it's like, um that video of the Bad Girls Club when... I don't know anyone's names because I don't watch that. Just that the video made the rounds years ago. Anyway... Um, they don't let her sleep. So then she at night um, yes, bangs the pots, right? And she's yes, like, if I don't I get no sleep. No. Yeah. If I don't get no sleep, y'all don't get no sleep. Yeah. That would yeah. be me. But for yeah. education. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they did not do that. They were just, they were amazing, kind, truly kind people. Um, so they did this for everyone. And like I said, Rafael Cordero became widely known for his uh, contributions and he was recognized for everything he did. He even became known as El Maestro de Puerto Rico. Wow. The father of public education in Puerto Rico. Um, And, you know, these titles are earned, but but his sister should have also received the same recognition. I mean, if he's the father of education, she needs to be the mother of education in Puerto Rico, right? Yeah. But that's why I wanted to talk about her because... More people need to know about her. There's actually a petition going on um, to name a street after her in, I think, San Juan. Mm. I will be linking that in the show notes. I mean, she paved the way literally for education and the educational system alongside her brother. And he has the recognition, which Mm -hmm. is honestly surprising given the history of, you know, anti-blackness. Yeah, that even he that he even has the recognition, but they all need it. But yeah. she, yeah, needs it as well. Yes, but yeah, that is it for uh, what I have on her because it, yeah, there was not a lot of information. But I, 
thought she deserved an episode you know i mean trailblazer iconic tell yes that is the word that i was like there's a word that defines all of this (laughs) (laughs) and you just said it perfectly you're welcome (laughs) Uh, um but i have one more thing before we Hmm. end the episode today at the time of recording it is the 24th of march uh this is the 40 year anniversary is that right 1980 was that 40 years ago i don't know what you're talking yes. about yes oh 1980 was 40 years ago i'm sorry you don't need to know what i'm talking about to know <laughs> that that was 40 years ago 1980 was 40 years ago yeah wasn't it it's 2023 oh how can it be 40 years ago 43 years ago my bad 43 years oh, okay <laughs> i'm over here saying it like i know, I know what i'm talking about <laughs> and i'm completely wrong <laughs> <laughs> that's why i was so confused sorry I'm just i have kidding. learned first, to I didn't... live my life saying things that are wrong confidently because like i'm wrong michael a lot. Scott. yeah exactly like michael scott mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. no i didn't even think about it like at first i truly <laughs> didn't know math and then i was like hold on so <laughs> anyway yeah it's the 43 year anniversary at the time of recording of the murder the assassination of oscar romero Oh, yes. And he is going to have his own episode. If we were better organized, if I was better organized. We say this all the time. (laughs) I would have covered it to have come out. Yes. Like, you know, on time. Mm -hmm. However, I am not. We are not. But, you know, the timeliness and adherence to (laughs) anniversaries and time. It's not our strong suit. Um, No, we have 80. But... (laughs) Besides the ADHD, the important thing is that we talk about these things, you know, yes, whenever. exactly. Whenever, so, wherever, like Shakira, like Shakira says. says. Yeah. <laughs> excuse so, me. Yeah. Excuse me. And a Shakira. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hello, I don't know how to say it. Little, 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 Classic. Classic. Yeah. So, um, until not funny things. Oh, my God. Yeah. On this day in 1980, um. Archbishop Oscar Romero was murdered by U.S.-backed assassins during the Salvadoran Civil War. And we have talked a little bit about Oscar Romero in our episode on the Civil War and Rufina Amaya. Mm -hmm. But not, I mean, again, he will, we will cover him fully. There's just so much. But to briefly summarize, Oscar Romero was the Archbishop of El Salvador. He spoke out against social injustice and violence leading up to the civil war and during the war and though he never said yes i follow liberation theology he literally did follow liberation theology yeah i mean it doesn't always have to be said you know like your practice and what you do exactly yeah and it really did because um when asked he'd be like no i just follow what the church should be doing but because nobody in the church does this, mm-hmm. that's why it was so rare. But he really was there to help the most vulnerable. Like if anybody is the embodiment of like helping the vulnerable, it was this man. And that's yeah. why he was canonized in 2018. Yeah. Literal saint, literal saint. He truly believed in helping those, helping people. And he lived by these words, like even though he never said it, he these were his actions. They yeah. spoke for themselves. Only weeks before his assassination, he wrote a letter to U.S. President Jimmy Carter 
begging him, suplicándole, mm-hmm. asking him to cease to stop military aid to El Salvador because the government was taking that and then terrorizing the people with it. Yeah. Literally killing people with the United States money. He begs for them to stop sending this aid. He was ignored. This led, this directly led to his death. So I, I will say that Jimmy Carter caused this man's death and also caused a lot of the horrible things that happened during the war on also with Reagan, like it yeah. wasn't just Reagan, it was the inaction of not listening to this letter. Mm-hmm. But and that is just my brief, brief, very brief talk about him because um, really deserves like a five part episode. Yeah, yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to add? No. For a second, I thought because last episode we talked a little bit about the bus thing, <laughs> mm. and I thought you were going to talk about that. Uh, like I don't know an update to that um, which whatever okay, I don't we have could do, oh. I do know a little <laughs> bit of it um, so let's do a very short bukele bullshit segment yes so last episode we did mention that he was like very weirdly focused on arresting people who had gotten into an actual accident like the brakes like or a brake failure were, yeah was not working on this truck and they were the men two men were arrested the guy that was driving at his supervisor who was not there they well, were both arrested his supervisor so it was his fault <laughs> i mean I'm, yeah i'm joking well you can't just arrest people yeah i know arbitrarily <laughs> but um he the driver was released uh, a few hours later mm. no i think it was like a day later so he's not in jail anymore um surprisingly and then i don't know about the supervisor I actually have not been able to find mm. news on him but i know the driver is not in jail anymore i had one more update actually i have not read fully about it but it seems like they're trying to turn it into a tax haven in salvador oh yeah yeah uh, i saw that today mm-hmm. not good we know that's not good <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um so <laughs> I haven't read enough about to go in more into detail, yeah, but we do know it's not have good. I. <laughs> it, it's like, um, we're not, you know, geniuses, but we know it's no bueno. <laughs> it has not worked for Puerto Rico. It has not worked for... Uh, it has not worked anywhere. Like, it just... It only benefits a certain group of people, and we know who those people are. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not the people of It's going to be country. your Bitcoin bros. It's going to be your gentrifiers mm-hmm. for the whole country. Yeah. Um, you know finance people tourists and the people who are trying to build tourists everyone but the locals yeah tourism i mean yeah but yeah yeah that was a very short Mm because i don't i didn't read more about it i meant to but i think eventually we'll probably read a little bit more about it and talk about it more in depth but if it's too complicated Uh i'm not going to talk about it because you know i'm dumb (laughs) (laughs) we have said (laughs) we are dumb (laughs) Uh, anyway, yes, I guess that brings us to the end of the episode. Do you have anything else to uh, add? No, I don't. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't think I do either. Uh, but thank you for everyone that listens. We know you're out there and it means a lot. <laughs> yes, it does mean a I lot I always to think us. that like no one listens and then I look and I'm like, no, there's people listening. What yeah, am I saying? And then every once in a while we'll get a nice little review on Apple Podcasts. Or message even on Instagram or a comment. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, actually, I do want to give a shout out to... Oh, my God. What's his podcast name? Hold on. 
He listens every week and always I I follow his newsletter. Yes, his podcast is to be a rebel. He always mentions us in his newsletter. I'll link it in the show notes because his newsletter is pretty cool. He will go through and give you on this day in history, every day of the week, what happened on this day in history. Oh. And then he gives uh, recommendations for history podcasts. We're usually on it, too. Cool. I did um, see that because um, I see yeah. it on Instagram. Yes. But I haven't seen um, the actual like newsletter, just the Instagram. Oh, post. OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll link it in the show notes and you can subscribe to it if you even subscribe to newsletters do you like newsletters i am a fan of newsletters um, i subscribe so. to a couple a couple okay uh, his is a good one a couple salty ones oh what okay i mean i need to get those from i you already now. told you <laughs> Did you? central american news oh and then daniel alverangas i think is his last name i am subscribed he has to his input. newsletter yeah yeah and i think that's it oh okay okay Yes. So uh, shout out, check out his podcast. I'll link the newsletter and the podcast in the show notes. And yes, that is it for me. Anything to add? No, just again, thank you everyone for listening. If you're enjoying um, our podcast, if you like learning about Latin American, Latin American history um, and about these people that, you know, we wish we knew about sooner, um, then give us a five-star rating, a little, a little nice review Mm-hmm. recommend us to a history living friend yes and yeah that's it <laughs> all right yeah uh and we still don't have like a tagline to end on so um, oh i th- almost thought of one and then i forgot uh, it so damn i wish you i'll knew try it. to think of it again all right all right it was like yeah, something along the lines know. like um i hope you learned something new today but like you know forced spanglish forced okay. spanglish not <laughs> forced okay yeah um i hope that you aprender no i'm just kidding wait did we already do this <laughs> no we did we cannot do it anymore all right uh yes thanks for listening bye bye <laughs>